I'm Woody Huffines, and this is the Owner's Voyage Podcast, a journey to business ownership. In this podcast, we'll talk about how to make that journey more fun, more rewarding, hopefully more profitable, as well as tips for staying away from potholes, dead ends, traps, and washed out bridges. We hope you join us. Welcome to the Owner's Voyage Podcast, episode number 44, an interview with Eric Nelson of Nerds to Go Swarthmore, Pennsylvania. You know, I, I talk a lot about how these guys are wonderful to talk to and, and Trish Jones and, and just, it's been a learning experience to talk to the, to the men and women who own nerds to go. Well, this one was particularly interesting to me for a couple of reasons. First of all, Eric started out in Texas and left Texas for upstate New York, which after we just had the snow, but I can't imagine, I just can't imagine volunteering to go live someplace that's cold. But even more amazing to me is Eric has maintained a full-time job as an aerospace engineer while he's opening and running a Nerds to Go. That has to have some challenges. This is an interview that I had with Eric at Swarthmore. I hope you enjoy it, and we'll close up after the interview's over here in a minute. If you started in Texas, why in God's name would you leave? <laughs> so, yeah, I was born and raised uh, northwest Houston, and then I... Um I went to school in upstate New York. Uh, I went to an engineering school in upstate New York uh, out of high school. What, then, what, what school did you go to in New York? Uh, Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute, RPI. Oh, um, one, of, one, of my, uh, uh, one of my accounting guys that I had at Plant Vogel was RPI. But, okay, so go ahead. Yeah. So you went to RPI. Yeah, I went to RPI, and then uh, I was I had a fort short stint in Virginia um, while I got my master's and then uh, we went to Arizona. I got a job at Boeing. Uh, we moved out to Arizona and were there for eight years, but we had some little breaks in between. And then we wanted to, once we had kids, we wanted to get back to friends and family. Uh, we had a lot of friends in the Northeast from school and then my wife's family uh, in upstate New York. So we wanted to get back to kind of this area and, and we landed in Philadelphia. Well, I'm, I'm just biased, uh, because of, because of the, I mean, I've lived in, I was born, actually born in Oklahoma, but I got to Texas as yeah. soon as I could. I've lived in, you know, I've lived in Texas and South Carolina and North Carolina and, and traveled to all over the place for one thing or another in, in jobs. And I've kind of gotten to the point that for me, there's two places in the world, Texas and not Texas. Uh, I, I love Texas. We, we looked for avenues to make it into Texas and just none of them came to fruition. Um, and I miss Texas a lot. There's a lot of things about Texas. I really miss, um, and hope to get back there. Uh, I mean, I still have a lot of friends there, so we, we try to go back if we can. Um, obviously haven't done that recently, but, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. starting a business kind of impacts that, uh, this is what I'm going to do this weekend plan. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, well, I noticed when I was looking at your store, and and you've got the Texas mindset when it comes to locating a store. Put it next to the nail place. <laughs> um, yeah, that was that was more by chance. Uh, but uh, but yeah, the the, the store was um, it's about three minutes from where I live, which is uh, really nice, and um, and it is just a good cheap location. You know, it had a busy road, um, and it was a right footprint, and it just uh, it, it just kind of checked all the boxes, uh, especially being cheap. 
being the big one. That was that was, uh, and I've and I've related the story as I've talked to the nerds to go on. That was that was one of the challenges that we had. Um, McKinney, Texas, has been one of the ten fastest growing zip codes in the United States for twenty something yeah. years. And, you know, the, the nerds to go model of go find some place that's about 30 years old. that's cheap. And it's like, man, 30 years ago, this was cotton fields and milk cows. I mean, this, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, the, my, my <clears throat> second option, if I hadn't gotten that, the space I got, uh, was about double the price per month. And then all the other options were about three or four times as much as what I paying. When I found it, I was really relieved when I got it. Now, I had to put a lot of work into it. As I was looking at your location, one of the things I noticed, you're, you're pretty close to Swarthmore. Do you, do you see any, um, any advantage to having a business near a college? We've, we've seen a few kids stop in um, and need some stuff, but, but really not. The college really hasn't been that advantageous for us. You know, I've tried doing some marketing things. I tried, to, I, I tried a number of avenues of getting in touch with people at school about trying to do like a laptop repair and loaner program through the school. You know, like maybe we go there every Tuesday and we have like three or four loaners and people can drop off laptops and give them a loaner. But I could never get any traction or anyone that wanted to, any way to, to get that moving. We've the had school some, didn't really do much. We've had some, we've had some, um, um, uh, there's some advantages of community college and the community college, I mean, let's face it. What Swarthmore seventy five thousand dollars a year all in with tuition, room, board, books. I mean, yeah, yeah. These these people yeah. probably aren't using the seven year old hand me down laptop over at Swarthmore. No. I'm just saying, we have had success at at finding resources for part time work and other things because there's a cybersecurity program at the college and some other things. And that's that's been I didn't I don't know how many of us are near, but I noticed that you were near Swarthmore, and I thought that yeah. that might be an interesting question to ask. Now you have a retail space. Did you even consider the executive model? No, I wanted a retail space from the start. You know, Swarthmore Media Springfield area here is a very it's a very community centric uh, area, and uh, people like shopping locally. They like mom and pop shops, and I knew I wanted a place where people could walk into and drop off their laptop and see the store and see us, see our logo, and, and see us in the community. So. From the get-go, I, I wanted to go for that. Has that? Do you think that's been an advantage to you? I know Ronnie and Vicky Dale, which was an executive model, they moved it to a retail space, and and they saw uh, an advantage of doing that. Do you? What what percentage of your work is drop in versus versus on the road going to people's houses? Uh, it 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 varies, but I, it's it's probably pretty high. I don't I haven't looked at the numbers just too recently, but it it's probably varies between thirty and fifty percent of people coming in to the store and dropping off stuff. Well, and that's what we're by, finding. By tickets, not by revenue, but by tickets. Right. Well, and that's what we're finding is so yeah. many people have moved to laptop for their main computer. Uh, we, mm-hmm. we, we don't, we really, other than gaming computers, we don't work yeah. on that many towers. Most of, most of yeah. what we work on is laptops and yeah. it just, it seems easy for people to come in and drop the laptop off as opposed to us coming to their home to work on those laptops. I mean, there's, there's people that I think just like, and, and maybe it's because of COVID, but they like just going out <laughs> and going to a store. I, I, um, you know, there's people I've been like, well, we'll, we'll come to you. And they'll be like, what's the travel charge? I'm like, nothing. They're like, yeah, I'm going to be in the area. I'll swing by, you know, like I, it's just, they just like doing that. They don't. So when, when did your store open? May of 2019. 
Okay, so you were just ahead of of us. We we opened in June of 2019, and mm-hmm. how how has COVID how has the COVID evolution affected your business? Do you think? Uh, I think COVID has been very good for us. We we saw a, a, a you know definitely a downturn in April and May. You know that that impacted us pretty heavily, and then uh, about June July it totally did a 180, and we've been steadily having some of our best months the last six, seven months. Every month has been pretty darn good. That's awesome. We were doing really well in February and March, um, and then kind of trailed off. And it's it's starting to recover. I think what was what really impacted us was the business side. Most of our growth was on the business side. And, and, you know, the businesses were closed or the businesses had people at home or the pain of uncertainty is worse than the certainty of pain. So nobody was really, really hot to yeah. Yeah, come in and redo our network or fix our problems yeah. uh, because of the fear that they didn't know if they were going to be. And that's especially true of, of the hospitality business. Yeah, I agree with that. I, we, we definitely saw a major downturn in businesses when COVID hit and that, and that hurt us. That was a big hurt. But then basically when started things opening up in July, we saw a big influx of people needing stuff. Um, and we got some big jobs from some of our existing clients that were looking to make changes because of COVID. And then, you know, the other one that's, that's tough to determine how much of an impact it was. But around that same time, we also started targeting our zip code, our digital spending to our high zip code areas. Yep. And uh, we did that in July. And so I think that's uh, upticked our residential business. Um, but I think we've also seen an uptick in residential business because of more people working from home, needing cameras, needing their computers to work. I mean, uh, there's a lot of people that say, oh, I've dusted off this old machine. I need it working again. Because we're spending, you know, we've, we've done a lot of Wi-Fi network upgrades for people because they've got three kids and two adults working from home, things like that. So <laughs> Yeah, you find out that when you got – you know, four, I, I counted, I was, did a YouTube video, um, on my YouTube channel talking about internet of things and internet of things security. And I counted it up and in my house, I've got 28 Wi-Fi endpoints. And when you get, yeah. you know, and uh, I don't, and I don't have three kids at home and mom and dad are at home <laughs> and everybody's, you know, it's like, I need gigabit ethernet just to keep up. <laughs> yeah. I haven't tallied, but it's, it's, I'm way over 28. I know that. <laughs> Well, and my wife keeps buying things. She said, oh, look at this, a plug <laughs> that you can turn on by your phone. And I'm going, no, no, <laughs> security. Ah. Uh. <laughs> so on the business to business side, you know, uh, the, the, the excitement and urge to go or uh, potentially the excitement and urge to go is there's um, our relationship with fast signs or propel brands more, more accurately. <laughs> and I was excited about that to begin with. If you haven't listened to the interview with Catherine Monson, Catherine's very inspirational. Mm-hmm. I did listen to that. It was very good. She's awesome. Just yeah. it was a great time to spend time with her. Do you uh, are you as excited about the possibility of us really shifting the nerds to go model from break fix to managed services, business services, B two B? Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm 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 really excited for that, and I'm really excited to get. Uh, I think you know. Uh, some of the, the big overarching support that fast science can bring um, and to keep us building that, you know, I'm, I'm excited for it. They've, they've been doing the click to fail email pilot with a couple of the franchisees, you know, and I, I had a call with uh, Christy and I, I said, look, I, I'm looking to do some things to help grow the business. Can I get piloting this click to fail? I don't want to wait for the pilot results. Like just get me on it. So, uh, you know, to keep pushing some of that, 
B2B market and to keep growing there. I'm, I'm absolutely excited for, for all of that and what it could bring to us. So you've, you, you started a nerds to go. Why, why did you pick nerds to go? What, what prompted you to get out of Boeing aerospace engineering, technical stuff on that side to open a nerds to go? Yeah. So, uh, well, I will, I will add that I, I still actually do, uh, have my day job at Boeing. Um, and uh, we can go into that a little further, but uh, I I was uh, unsatisfied with my growth and and what I could do at Boeing. I started looking into opening my own business. Went for the franchise model because I felt like franchising was. I, I thought it was good to have a little bit of a playbook to play by. I'm you know an engineer at heart, and you know engineers typically aren't risk takers. And I think going full on my own, you know, entrepreneurial, my own business, my own idea. Uh, it's probably too much for me to too much of a gap for me to to, to get. But um, I started exploring franchises, and I and I looked at pretty heavily three or four of them. But all in all, probably looked at close to ten or twelve. You know, nerds to go. I thought had the right capability. Service is needed. I thought it would fit well in our market, and I I felt like it had the potential to to be a, a really good business. Uh, you know, there's some other franchises that I think are really cool and really exciting, but I feel like their, their growth is capped and I didn't feel like I saw that. That's, uh, um, that, that's, that was, that's a, that's part of what my decision process was, you know, the, the goodwill associated with, you know, Schlotzky's or the goodwill associated with Subway sandwiches, um, given the market penetration, that's not going to, there's, that's not going to be a big increase. And if we can yeah. be successful at nerds to go, I, I see a multiplier out there that, that, uh, it was attractive. And I think it's even more attractive yep. with the propel brands. Agreed. Agreed. hundred percent. That was a huge part of it too, is, you know, that the, don't see a major player yet in this market. And if we can keep nerds to go growing, uh, we could be that right. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't realize that you still, that, that, that uh, nerds to go was in, in the vernacular of the time, your side hustle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know if I'd call it a side hustle, but uh, it's more two full-time jobs. <laughs> I've, I've, I've got young kids. I, I, again, the risk taker, I couldn't fully devoid myself of a paycheck and start a business at the same time. Uh, I've done this both full-time jobs. Uh, it's been, it's, it's, it's been tough. Absolutely. But it's allowed me to, continue invest in the business and not have to worry about the business turning a profit immediately or t- me taking a paycheck out of the business. I can keep, keep my family fed and then keep working this in the background or, you know, background, <laughs> not really, but <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, I do. Uh, that's, I've told the story or I've, I've used the quote on almost all of the interviews and somebody who listens to all of them is going to get tired of it. But a friend of mine said that I asked him how things are going. He said, great. I, Figured out I paid one hundred and fifty thousand dollars for an eighty-hour-a-week job that don't pay nothing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I have those thoughts sometimes too. <laughs> paid a bunch of money for a job that doesn't pay me, and I just work harder than I've ever worked. <laughs> so, looking back, what what do you know now that you wish you had known before you started? I mean, there's lots of little things. I think that's just things that you can't, um, you, you know, you got to experience about just you know how to run a business and things like that. But I, I think uh, a couple things I would have liked to have known is. One is, is to some extent, the, the unknown and the stress level that comes times with, a, with running a business. Very rarely in my corporate job have I ever laid awake at night wondering, you know, what's going to happen tomorrow at work. Uh, but I've had more than my fair share of those nights with nerds uh, where my head's just running through and, and I'm uh, thinking about what's going on with business and what I can do better and what's going wrong and how do we change it, how do I do this and that. 
you know, having, having at least a little more insight of how, how uh, difficult that part was going to be. I've done, I've done difficult where you're overloaded with tasks and, you know, I can handle the multitasking and, and getting things done and that kind of execution aspect of it. But there's a lot of the unknown have, have been tricky. I think the other one too is, is finding and retaining talent uh, in the store. I wish I, I could have had a better, you know, I've learned a lot now that I've hired and some fired and some people have left at the shop, but um, you know, just that, aspect of hiring and finding the right people and understanding the importance of that. Now, as an engineer, you're quite familiar with and, and facile in all of that, um, proceduralization stuff. Do you find that's a challenge is putting together the right procedures and getting, getting your nerds to follow them? No, I, I think generally that's gone. Okay. You know, I, I, as much as I am an engineer, I understand that not everything can be done the way engineers do things. So, <laughs> You know, I, I do try having a few procedures and things and making sure the nerds follow them. But, you know, some of it I think becomes, because I am a semi-absentee owner, is I really rely on my nerds to to do their job. And I try to empower them to do that. So, you know, I always tell them, if there's a tool that you need, please tell me. Uh, if there's something you think that'll work better, please tell me. Um, and I, I constantly try to ask them that because I want to, I want them to be able to do their job uh, and to get stake in their job and to try to execute on their job because frankly, they, they have to, because I'm not there all hours to, to help solve them, solve their problems, right. To, to micromanage them. So has that been your biggest surprise is how difficult it is to, to maintain and, and inculcate the talent that you need to succeed? Yes. hundred percent. Was there anything that you thought was going to be really difficult that turned out to be pretty easy? I, I mean, this is like a little bit of a, uh, I, I mean, this is like a yes and a no response to that. On one hand, getting the phone to the ring, I found is incredibly difficult and more difficult than I expected. But on the ha- other hand, there's times where it surprises me where the phone keeps ringing and it's just like, okay, I didn't, I, you know, like, I didn't, I didn't know people would just keep calling us, you know, <laughs> like, and I knew they, I mean, that's how a business works, but like, to actually see the, the business kind of, I don't, I don't, um, I don't want to say run itself. That's the wrong word, but just to keep building momentum, uh, has been exciting. And I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't really thinking about that as much, um, until it started happening. I've talked to a couple of people in uh, other break fix, um, industries and, uh, uh, other break fix services kind of businesses. And there seems to be a, a general cap on about, their, their, their concept. I mean, the num if I look at the average number, a lot of them say that, that really breaking through $20,000 a month is difficult, that it, that it, it is easy for it to stabilize at $20,000 a month of revenue nominally. Mm-hmm. What are you doing to, to break, to break that cap? I mean, I think, I mean, it goes back to the other thing. I think businesses trying to get tied into the businesses and helping them, providing great services to the businesses. So they keep coming back to you for more projects. And then as we talked about earlier, trying to get more into that MSP side of things. So, you know, I, I, Brian's, uh, Kane's talked about it before, but you know, my, a couple of my, the, the people I have that do, uh, that I do manage, uh, monthly for them, you know, when, when they have new IT issues or new things, you know, we're, they're the ones we call. And I, I don't think I realized that at first with MSP, like I was looking more at MSP as, as the revenue generator, as opposed to just 
passive income in the background, but the real revenue generators when they call you and say, hey, we need to update our five computers and our server. Can you help us out? Right. It's the project work yeah. that comes along with the MSP. Yeah, absolutely. And um, and so, you know, there's, there's and this is where, you know, learning. Um, there's some people that I, I made some managed service pitches to that I, I think I tried to, I focused too hard on the profit margin to manage service provider or the managed service income. And I, and I lost the business and I, and I, I've gone back now to a little bit of like, well, let's just win the managed service stuff. And I'm not saying give it away, but let's, let's, let's not focus as much on, on what the month revenue is. It's not a loss leader. It's a, it's a marketing tool. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Is there, now there's anything that turned out to be really easy that you thought was going to be difficult. I, I, nothing's coming to mind. And that's not saying that there isn't stuff that's easy in the running of the business. I think it's just the stuff that I thought was going to be easy was, has been fairly easy. Well, and the things that you thought were, were going to be easy that turned out to be difficult, the list is really long. And if it, you thought it was going to be difficult <laughs> and it turned out to be easy, it's like you checked the box and moved on. Yeah, I, I haven't really focused on that. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um yeah, I guess I guess to some extent I'll say the whole digital footprint, but I think some of that's easy because we have zero gravity and they do a great job of helping us with that. And you know that and how important that's been. That's been something that was kind of a real unknown. I'd never played in the SEO space. I'd never played in the pay-per-click space before. Uh, but uh, I knew we had a partner with zero gravity to help help make it that way. And I, I feel like that's been huge. And you know, that's one thing that uh, some people have asked, like, hey, Eric, why'd you do a franchise instead of just open your own business? And I, and I you know, zero gravity is, and, and the, the resource and the tools they bring to us is one of the things that always comes to mind. Of, I wouldn't have gotten, I, I don't get the lessons learned that zero gravity gets from all of the franchise owners. Uh, and I don't get the economies of scales that we all get with uh, zero gravity. Well, it's interesting. I got put out with zero gravity at one point and was starting looking for other, maybe other people to do my AdWords. And the, the thing that kept coming up was that computer repair was a restricted AdWord that other, (laughs) other people couldn't do that. And that's been, that's been a key to what success we've had is that, uh, is that AdWord revenue. Now, do you track your AdWords revenue? Do you go back and look at the form fill outs and the phone numbers and, and see how much, uh, revenue that you're generating from the AdWords? Yeah, I, I, I do. Um, you know, I, I'd say like once a quarter, I'll go and look at the past few months or so um, and just see. Uh, and it's always, it's always like a, it varies from like a, whatever, like a two to eight to one ratio, depending on the month and stuff. But it, it's always been very, it's always in the, in, in the black. Well, and that's, <laughs> and that's when I, one of the months that I tracked, we were like 12 to one. It had, yeah. had a 12 to one revenue to spend. And I'm like, dude, if you can guarantee this, I'll sell a kidney. <laughs> I, every month I have my tag up with them. I say, you know, and, and I, and I'm like, I'm like, do I need to spend more? And I don't mean that. And I just want to blow money. It's just more of like, can we get this more? Can I do more of this? And, you know, every time they, they tell me, no, you're, you're, you're right. You're good where you need to be right now. But I ask it every month because yeah, if, if you can keep guaranteeing the anywhere from yeah three to twelve to one ratio, I mean, I'll just I'll just keep spending. <laughs> well, and I fi- I have found that you kind of titrate it. You know, you 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 run along it at whatever level, five hundred a month or seven hundred a month or whatever, and and kind of look at it and see where you're coming out on the, on butter side up more months than not. 
What's your What's your favorite part of Nerds to Go? What's your favorite part of your job? I think I think there's a couple of things. One is I I, I really do love uh, when we help customers and customers are very happy with us, and not just because that's good from the business. It's just I I do enjoy helping people and you know getting their IT problems resolved for them so they don't have to worry about. It. That's that's one aspect. The other one is I I really do enjoy uh, managing a team and us working together to to kind of grow this business. Uh, that's, that's, that's been a, it has been a joy and, you know, I love my employees and, and we have, we all have good days and bad days working together. That's, that's any, that's human nature, but, uh, just, you know, coming to the end of the week and we had a good week and we do our tag up at the end of the day on Friday, our nerd huddle at the end of the day on Friday and just recap the week real quick. is, is just a real joy and to kind of, you know, be like, Hey, we're, we're, we're doing this, right? What skill have you discovered or developed that you didn't know you had? I mean, there's a lot of things skills that have been developed <laughs> when you open a business because you're, you're every, you're every department at once. I, I think probably a little bit of my sales side and I'm, I'm certainly not perfect or, or probably even that good by many standards, but just, just being able to articulate our value and, and convince the customer, you know, and I'm talking more on the business side of things, because that's mostly when I get involved, but um, that, that, you know, we, we have a value to provide you as a customer or as a, as a provider to you and, and, and then executing on that. Um, so kind of being able to navigate that, the sales side of the, uh, of the relationship with customers. I've, I've never, never really had to have that skill, never used that skill. Certainly a work in progress, but definitely something I've developed. Running a business, having a business is, is difficult. I mean, it's, it's harder than you, than you ever thought when you get started and, and about the time you think part of it's easy, it gets hard again. What is your why? What's the big why that gives you the drive and the and the impetus to get up in the morning and do it again? You know, the reason we did this was, was a couple of things. One is my wife and I. You know, this, you know, I run the business, but can't can't be married to me and not and not also be a part of this business. <laughs> so, uh, so my wife and I, you know, had I had a lot of discussions about why we we're doing this, and I think one of them is we wanted to build something in the community. Um, you know, we're, we're, you know, we've moved around quite a bit, um, but we're here in, in Philly to stay. Um, so we wanted to build kind of a staple in the community. So that was part of it. The other one is we, we did want to build something for our family, uh, have, have this business for us. And then, uh, you know, there is, there is a part of us that did it because, and, the, and this isn't really our why, why we wake up every day, but it was just sort of a, uh, you know, you've only got one life to live. So why not try it? And see how it goes. And if you, if we, you know, if, if it all goes exactly how you want and everything goes swimmingly well, then great. And if, you know, if it didn't and doesn't, you know, then you, we've at least tried it. We, we can say at the end of the day, we, we started a business, we ran a business. Um, and, and we, we know. So that's, that's not really what drives us day to day, but that was definitely something that, that, you know, kind of made us push the decision to say yes and open. As you look back on it and you've, you've, overcome things and you've changed things and, and you're, you're built, you're building that business. What's your greatest sense of accomplishment to date? You know, we, um, we turned a profit last year and it wasn't a huge profit by any stretch of the means, but we turned a profit in our first full calendar year of operation during a global pandemic and economic recession. Uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty proud of that accomplishment. Um, to be able to get to at least the position where we're we're not we're we're making money. That's so that was that was that was pretty exciting. That's awesome. 
that is all we were there in march but then it went then it went south but yeah we're 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 plugging we're keeping it up yeah what do you see doing what do you see um as the changes or what what are your projections what's your planning horizon look like for your business as how do you how do you do your planning do you sit down and and have a specific plan that you run through how do you how do you plan and and set goals for your business yeah interesting i i I do put together, you know, a, a financial plan for the year, but, uh, you know, there's, there's probably a good metaphor or whatever that, you know, once you make a plan, it's totally useless. Uh, and that's not, uh, that's, that's not to say that it's totally useless for a business, but, um, you know, I, I do make a plan and then we, we see how it goes to it and, and we have to make adjustments. It's only a plan, right? You got to see how the, how things shake out. I do manage a lot of things day to day, like all these owners do, but, um, and make tweaks very, little tweaks very constantly. Um, you know, I, I, I and sometimes it's, it's at my own detriment. Sometimes I need to just set and let things run a little bit, but, um, but I do, I do try to, to, to just constantly tweak and keep that, uh, focus on where I want the business to go each day and, and not, uh, not look at big, long projections of it. And I think some of that's just because we are new, we are a startup, you know, we, we, we have to be very agile to keep, keep things moving in the right direction we want to go. Yeah, and the, and the quote you're looking for is a Dwight Eisenhower quote. Dwight Eisenhower said, "Planning is essential; plans are useless." Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, I knew you'd have something for me. <laughs> that that uh, in talking with Trisha Jones, she said, "I'm the I'm the master of analogy." Yeah, <laughs> and it's well, you you've lived in Texas. That's kind of a Texas thing, you know. It is, yeah. Is. Climb like a homesick angel. Run like a scalded yeah. dog. There's always there's always a simile going on. If 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 you look back, and somebody was going to start the owner's voyage and say, "Hey, I, I'm thinking about starting a business." What's the one, two, or three things that you would tell them they really need to bear in mind that they may not know going in? Well, we kind of talked a little bit, you know, in the sense of it's. I think it's harder than you think, and like I knew it was going to be hard, um, but it's harder in different ways than um, than you may think. Uh, you know, the, the stress of, you know, you've made this large financial commitment and, you know, your, your success of the business kind of depends on whether or not that investment is uh, going to come back and bite you. So I think, I think that's, that's one of the things is just realizing that it's, it's, it's not just a lot of work. It's hard in the, in the lot of the, the stress and the everything you have to accomplish and make and just waiting and see, making sure it keeps building that way. I don't know if that kind of makes sense. Uh, I think that's definitely one of the things that I, I, I didn't realize going into starting a business, you know, going back to things that I think have been easier than I thought they were going to be. Something came to mind. You were just talking about fast time. Um, and, and maybe some of this is just my position because I, um, you know, I, I cannot devote as much time to sales and revenue growth because I have to work a full-time job at Boeing. Um, but I feel like the one area that I've been successful at that I wasn't sure how it was going to go is, is really watching my expenses, keeping those uh, as low as possible and, and saving every little nickel and dime I can so that my break even point month to month is just as, as low as I can get it. Um, and that's one thing that I think has, has, has been beneficial in me in the, in the first, you know, whatever, almost year and a half, two years of operation that I'm, you know, with, with fast lines, it's kind of funny because I know fast lines first, 
uh, initiative was looking at costs and trying to streamline costs. And for me, I'm like, I don't need to streamline costs right now. My costs are pretty good. <laughs> I need right. growth. I need revenue. Uh, and I know that's on their target too, but I'm, I'm anxious for fast signs. This would kind of bring this back. I'm anxious for fast signs initiatives that are going to help start, um, growing the, the, the revenue side of the business. Uh, and that's where things like the click to sell email campaign. I'm excited for trying something like that just to kind of keep, keep things growing. And it's interesting. Um, David Alcorn, uh, down in league city, David and I are, are pretty close. Um, David was up just as, just before he opened and, we talk on a regular basis, and he was recommending a book to me. It's called The Toilet Paper Entrepreneur. And the the concept of the book is if you go to the bathroom with a roll of toilet paper, you're going to get the job done. But if you go to the bathroom with three sheets of toilet paper, you're still going to figure out a way to get the job done. And as an, <laughs> as an entrepreneur, you need to be thinking in terms of three sheets, not a roll. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's a good analogy. I like that. Plan for a lot longer before breaking even than you expect. But kind of going back, to, you can make plans, and I played all sorts of spreadsheet numbers of how the business was going to grow, um, and none of them were accurate. And so, you know, I, I think be very pessimistic in your view of how the business is going to grow so that you've got a lot of runway. And then if you outperform it, you're, you're good, but, uh, don't, don't get you in a position where you feel like the business is going to just grow a hundred percent year after year or whatever. And, um, and then if that doesn't happen, you're, you're suddenly stuck and you're, you, you could be facing being out of cash. And, and not that I got to that point, but, um, it definitely, it definitely took a little bit longer to get things growing than I thought. So what do you do to take a breath and what do you do to, to, you get out of it and recharge and, and, uh, build yourself back up from, from the stress and, and the effort. Yeah, there's a couple of things. I, I do like doing, uh, uh, house projects, building things. Um, some of the evenings I'll, uh, sometimes I'll, I'll, you know, uh, work, work or build on something, uh, you know, for, for the house or for the kids or garage or, you know, whatever. Um, that's a big stress, uh, Trust reliever, and then I actually recently just got into uh, craft cocktails. So uh, I try not to do craft cocktails too much because they can be a detriment. <laughs> but um, but I, I do I do try to look forward to you know finding one or two uh, new cocktails that I can make uh, on the weekend just to kind of relax and unplug. And and you know I'll make them with my wife, and we can kind of share and have fun with that. Yeah, mine mine's barbecue. It's. Uh, I, I need to readjust it. We're gonna we're gonna make a brisket. <laughs> I miss brisket, man. You can only get brisket in Texas. <laughs> well, that's I've got I've got I've got two rules for barbecue. Yeah. Rule number one: if it's more than two hundred and fifty miles from Lockhart, Texas, do not order the brisket. And and rule yeah. number two is if you look at the quality of the meat and the quality of the sides and score them and add them up, it's a constant. <laughs> That's a good one. I like that. Well, I'm just saying, the people that have really good meat, their sides are okay. People have really good sides, the meat's not so good. Yeah, I, I had a, you know, in college, I had a bunch of friends, and and we uh, we were into rock climbing in college, and, and so we went to Tennessee and um, went rock climbing, and with all my New York friends, and we went to some barbecue place afterwards. 
they were just all raving about how amazing this place was. And it wasn't that. It was nothing. There was nothing wrong with it. They were just thought it was the best barbecue ever. And I was just like, they're like, what do you think? And I was like, eh, yeah. it's okay. They're <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, yeah, the Texan. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> As you look back and, and you look forward, are you happy that you did it? Yeah. It, yeah. This has definitely been a, a, a tough thing. You know, for me and my family and, you know, working two jobs provided some benefit, but it also made it more work and more stressful for us. So that's been, and, you know, I have little kids, so that's been tough, but we've, at the end of the day, we still have, have built something and we're not there yet, but we're continuing to build something and the, we can see the benefit, we can see where it's going. And that is, that is where we're, you know, that's what we're, we're, that's what we're chasing, we're looking for. And so, yeah, Absolutely. We're glad we did it, but it was, it was definitely not easy to get where we are today. It's not going to be easy to get to where we want to be, you know, two years from now or five years from now or 10 years from now. It's, it's one of those that it's definitely the right decision, but man, is it a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> well, Eric, I appreciate your time. This has been as yeah. like I, all of them, I, I have had more fun doing it. It has been worthwhile for me because I've learned so much from each one of you in terms of how you do what you do, what the challenges are, and how to overcome those challenges. And I'm sure the people who listen will find some nugget in here that's going to help them either get up tomorrow morning and do it again or try something new or maybe quit doing something that was biting them. As always, thanks to Eric for his time and for the learnings that I got from talking with Eric. You know, one of the things that's interesting to me is all of us as entrepreneurs are risk takers and all of us as entrepreneurs are trying to find ways that we can live with that risk. And it was interesting to hear Eric talk about his desire to maintain a full-time job to mitigate some of that financial risk that he has with running the business. But it's also interesting to hear him talk about waking up at two or three o'clock in the morning. I've joked for years, if I won the lottery, I'd go back to mowing fairways at the golf course because There's only one person on the tractor. I'm not telling somebody how to mow. Nobody's telling me how to mow. There's a tangible outcome. At the end of the day, you look, the short grass this morning, it was long grass. I did that. And third, the one that's probably the funniest to me is when I was mowing fairways, I never woke up at three o'clock in the morning worrying about which direction I was going to mow number seven. That's one of the things that Eric talked about. That's something that as an entrepreneur, you need to be ready for is sleepless nights and waking up at two o'clock in the morning and wondering what am I going to do tomorrow about this or how am I going to fix that or maybe if we try this. It's interesting to hear Eric talk about those things because even with the financial freedom you have by running a second business, it still is really hard. This has been episode number 44 of the Owner's Voyage podcast, interview with Eric Nelson of Swarthmore, Pennsylvania. We'll see you again soon.